Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for an episode of ASHP's Practice Journeys, Career Pearls for Students. In this podcast series, you'll hear from pharmacists who work in various pharmacy practice settings to learn more about what a day in the life is like. You'll dive into careers you may have been interested in but never took the time to learn about, or you may even find out about a practice area you never knew existed. My name is Heather Howell. I'm a fourth-year student at the University of Texas at El Paso School of Pharmacy, and today I'll be chatting with Dr. Libby Geiser. Thank you so much for joining us today, Libby. Yes, Heather. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me a little about yourself and your current position? So I am originally from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is also where I practice now. So I got to come home, which is awesome. Um, But I spent a long time away. So I actually went to the University of Arizona for pharmacy school. So go Cats. I went to undergrad there too. Um, And after that, I knew I wanted to pursue residency, specifically emergency medicine, Um, really interested me from student rotations and just from some of um, the faculty we had while we were students there. Um, So I went and did a PGY-1 at Methodist University Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. And then I did my second year in emergency medicine at Detroit Receiving up in Detroit, Michigan. Um, And then after that, I got very lucky and there was a job here back home. It was actually moving to 24-7 coverage here. So it's when we started nights here at JPS. Um, So we've had 24-7 coverage since then, which has been really amazing for our practice growth. And from there, I spent a couple years on nights and then I transitioned to days. I got involved in our residency program here, was a part of leadership for a couple years Um, And then in 2019 now, I took the supervisor position over both um, the ICU and the ED clinical pharmacist or the critical care clinical pharmacist supervisor here. And so I'm lucky now in my current position is actually hybrid. So 70% of my time, I am actually practicing in the ED still, which is great. I still love being in the thick of it, being in codes, um, still very passionate about bedside direct patient care. Um, But 30% of my time is more kind of looking at the bigger picture um, for my two teams. Um, So quality improvement, um, projects, order set review and growth, um, performance feedback and those types of things. So it's been a nice hybrid position. It's like an intro to management, um, if you will, but it's been good for me to kind of see that side plus maintain my direct patient care activities as well. That's great. Can you tell me what the typical training requirements would be for an emergency medicine clinical pharmacist? Absolutely. Um, Obviously, PGY-1, PGY-2 training um, in emergency medicine is most ideal. And we're lucky that now there's been such a growth from even 10 years ago when I did residency training. I think there were 13 in the country. And now there's many, many, many more, um, which is amazing. But I don't think you have to have a PGY-2. There are plenty of people out there who either did a PGY-1 and then really just threw themselves into the area, really just learned how to practice in the ED and be functional down there. Or there's people who didn't do residency at all, and they were able to just get themselves into the ED, get that hands-on learning, um, whether They had a central job and then just asked if they could work down there sometimes or spend some time with those pharmacists and learn things. Um, There are ways you can really incorporate yourself into the ED. I mean, I think it's probably the easiest route to go PGY-1, PGY-2 and really get that like year long intensive training. 
Um, but I think there are some alternate routes out there that you still can do that most of your original ED pharmacists did when there wasn't really residency training for us. Um, but there's a lot of other certifications you can get as well that are very helpful. Um, there's now BCEMP or board certification for EM pharmacists, um, ACLS, you know, BLS, PALS. Um, there's some neuro-specific emergency training. There's trauma training. Um, there's a lot of different aspects and different things you can get experience-wise that can really help you get your foot into the ED if that's what you're looking to do. Some other training requirements, um, just any code response. If you're able to get used to codes within your job as it is outside of the ED, that is a great headway into making yourself comfortable for the ED setting as well. And you can do that, you know, in most jobs in the hospital, for example. Um, so it's definitely possible to transition. Um, and thankfully, there are so many different certifications you get, which is both great in terms of your growth, but also very hard when you have like 20 different things that you could potentially go to to kind of decide what you want to do or what makes most sense for where you're going to be. Obviously, if you're not at a major trauma center, I wouldn't bother with trauma certification. Or if you don't see that many kids, you know, how much of PALS makes sense versus other things. So really just kind of tailoring it to the patients that you might see. Have you seen at all, going back to the residency route, people doing PGY2s in critical care and weaning their way into the ED, or do you see for the most part they're getting it in the ED setting and then continuing on? Yeah, you, we do still see critical care kind of sliding over um, every now and then, especially um, some of the critical care residencies are almost like a hybrid ICU ED um, to where they really spent a lot of their time and they may have chosen to spend a lot of their electives um, in the ER. And so we still see a ton of that or someone who practices in the ICU for a couple years, they're ready for something different. They come down to the ED. Obviously, a lot of what we do critical wise is similar. Um, critical care pharmacists normally just aren't as used to some of like the ambulatory outpatient questions that we may get that's part of our role or transitions of care type activities that we sometimes do. Um, but that's definitely still an option um, to end up doing a critical care PGY2, but going into the ED because you're absolutely qualified, you know, to be down there at that point. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Could you give us a little bit of background about your current practice site and professional responsibilities as the emergency medicine clinical pharmacist and critical care clinical pharmacist supervisor? Absolutely. Um, so JPS Health Network um, is the level one critical access hospital in Fort Worth and for all of Tarrant County. Um, and we are both quite a large city. Um, but we also have a lot of country around us as well. So we see quite the vast um, trauma experiences anywhere from, you know, your typical city like car accidents or gunshot wounds to your country, you know, a tractor ran you over or ATV accidents or some horse accidents. Um, so it's a pretty cool variety of patients that we see here. We have just a very sick population in general, since we are a critical access hospital. Um, we get patients flown to us from all over the state, um, even from out in West Texas. Um, we get quite a few things flown in here to JPS, which is very fun. It makes it very interesting. Um, and I am lucky that as an emergency medicine pharmacist here, the majority of my time is spent um, bedside. 
Um, so all critical patients who come in, any codes that are coming in, whether it be trauma, stroke, sepsis, cardiac arrest, critically ill from toxicologic reason or DKA or what have you, we'll go see bedside with the physicians, you know, make recommendations, help bring drugs to the bedside, um, help nursing out bedside, all those types of things. But we also have um, order verification duties here as well. Um, so we do perspective order verification for my hospital, which is huge um, because we see about 140,000 ED visits a year. Um, so it's quite busy, um, but we're lucky to work as a team. So we cross cover between the ED and ICU since we're one encompassing pharmacy team. Um, so we help each other out when we know someone's busy or away. Um, so it's a nice hybrid for us here for how we work. Other things as an EM pharmacist, obviously a lot of projects, quality initiatives. Um, you know, we're working on changing from ultra place to next to place right now. So very wrapped up in how do we roll this out, education, updating in our EMR. Um, so lots of things, um, things that I never really realized I would do as much of in my first year out as 10 years later now is such a huge part of my job. Um, so it's been great to have those experiences. And I'm lucky that both of my residencies um, helped ingrain some of those experiences within me. So it's been really good. Um, and then as a supervisor, everything I do as an EM pharmacist and then everything for leading the team. Um, so hiring, onboarding, training, um, I do evaluations and performance feedback for them. And then just coordination of any project going on at JPS that's in my areas. Um, so that can be a lot um, sometimes, but luckily I have a really great team here um, who is great about stepping up, also working on these projects. So just because I'm the supervisor, like my team absolutely is still very heavily involved in doing those things as well. Because of your unique role, kind of overseeing emergency medicine and critical care, what would you say are like the biggest differing roles between the two? Yeah, um, biggest thing um, is probably just the difference in like the ambulatory transitions of care side of things that you see in the emergency department, um, which isn't every emergency medicine pharmacist's favorite thing um, that they do as part of their role, but is very much a huge thing that we do. Um, we share here when you are in the emergency department, you share actually an office with the physicians. Um, so they ask a ton of great questions on, you know, what should I send my patient home on? Um, you know, do you know anything about the cost of this medication? Or do you mind talking to them about, you know, a Pixaban or whatever they may send them out on? Um, whereas obviously critical care is much more focused on the critical aspect, which I think we also like in the ED, which is why most of us are there. Um, we just have more of that hybrid than I think a critical care pharmacist does. Um, obviously, my critical care pharmacist, they also round here with both the medical ICU and the surgical ICU teams. And I do enjoy rounding, but doing that every day all the time um, is just not the best for me in terms of the balance that I like. Um, I just like more of the bedside, upfront care, you know, get it right from the first time um, as opposed to the next day being like, why didn't you do this? And I'm like, darn it, why didn't we? Um, so that would be the, one of your bigger differences. Um, I think critical care pharmacists, um, they're also 
probably more ingrained from like a longitudinal teaching aspect here, which is good um, since they constantly have medical residents up on our ICU rounds. We have EM physician residents here as well, but it's more of like a quick bedside teaching as opposed to like a longitudinal lecture um, series as much, but you will get that from some other places as well. Those are the main things. I mean, mainly it's that transitions of care stuff. Like you think about things a little bit differently because you may have a patient going to the ICU and then a patient going to the floor and you just have different aspects of care that you're thinking about. Whereas ICU is pretty much ICU, ICU. So they just get to kind of live in one playing field a little bit more. Perfect. Thank you. How is your relationship like with all of the physicians and other providers that are in the ED? Yes, we are fortunate um, that because 10 years ago we went to 24-7 coverage, I can't imagine what they would do now if we weren't down there for even a minute of the day, just because it's been like that for 10 years and we've never had a moment where we're like, well, there's not going to be anyone here tonight. You know, we've always managed to cover, which is fantastic. Um, and because we directly are in the ED when we are practicing, they're so used to us, so reliant on us. Um, even if it's not a direct patient care question, like they'll reach out like, hey, what do you think about this research project? Or what do you think about a new process for our newly diagnosed HIV patients or Suboxone and how we can get them set up long term and keep them out of the ED? Um, and just you get really roped into different things. And I feel very fortunate for that here. And I think most places that have decent ED coverage, they really have that relationship with the providers since we do work so closely with them compared to some of your other pharmacy specialties. Great. Thank you. So going into, I know we've kind of touched a little bit on your typical work day, but what does it look like more specifically or in general for an EM pharmacist at your institution? Yes. So um, typical day, you know, you come in, kind of orient yourself to our track board of what's going on, who's sick, not sick, getting handoff from your prior shift, um, working on anything that they have left over for their shift, um, which may mean consults, you know, obviously just because you're in the EED, you still dose their vancomycin or watch their heparin or apixaban and still doing some of those core pharmacist activities. Um, so that's a decent part of your day, um, depending on what all protocols your hospital may have. We have a lot here. So you do spend a decent amount, you know, looking at digoxin, phenytoin, levels of things, you know, your pharmacy heavy drugs. Um, we do, as I mentioned, do all the prospective order verification, um, which is a lot, um, but it's great for patient safety here at JPS. It saves a lot of errors for the fact that we see everything before it gets given in the ED. And I know that's pretty rare and one of those like really, we would love to have this in the ER, but it's just not always feasible from like a turnaround time perspective. And so you have your order verification, all of your code response, anything coming through that door, we carry a phone, a radio, a pager, any type of communication <laughs> that you could possibly imagine to just kind of have a feel for what's coming into the emergency department, what we need to prepare ourselves for. Um, our goal in a code is always to have things ready before they even know that they want them yet. Um, you know, you're just always wanting to be on top of it, have it there, really help the team, you know, make the patient um, better as quick as possible. It's always our goal. Um, other things we do, gosh, I'm trying to think. 
That's kind of our core. Um, we do have patient care coordinators, as we call them, in the emergency department as well. They are pharmacy technician positions, and they actually do the medication histories um, for all of our patients in the ED. Um, so we do work with them as well, um, identifying like your highest risk patients to make sure they get done first, um, or if they're on any specialty medications that we would need to know about. Um, but they'll do the medication histories for them for us. Um, and they also do penicillin allergy screening for us as well. So they'll identify penicillin allergies, talk to the patient a little bit, and then um, they'll send it to us, whoever is covering, to then look at it, review their chart, and go talk to them, try to label their penicillin allergies so that maybe we have more antibiotics um, that we can give them as well. And so we're very fortunate we have those patient care coordinators um, with us in the ER. That's really nice to see considering, I know EM Pharmacy is up and coming and has been developing a lot over the last decade, but technicians also playing a role in it. Um, I think it's something that we're beginning to see more of. So it's nice to see how much your institution is implementing them into the day-to-day -day as well. I agree. And we now have those patient care coordinators on the inpatient side actually too. Um, and so we're constantly right now looking for like, where else can we use you? What else can we do? You know, helping with some like transitioning to outpatient things, getting them their medications before they go home. Um, they're really helpful um, with some things. So I'm excited to kind of see where else we can kind of embed them into our practice. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? Gosh, that's a hard question. Honestly, one of the most rewarding things part of this job is just watching the change that happened since I've been here. Um, you know, 10 years ago, coming in, you are the first pharmacist face that they've ever seen in the ED after like 9 or 10 p.m. And you're there all night and they're like, who are you? What are you doing here? You know, day shift gets used to it, you know, but night shift often kind of gets left off. So really seeing that transition from you know, oh, you're a pharmacist, what are you doing here? To they're calling you like, hey, someone's coming in in five minutes and they're so sick, you know, and like alerting you because they want you there. It's just been a really phenomenal change um, to see. And we saw that change pretty early once they got used to us being there all the time. But now that it's been 10 years, like there's never a time that they're like, oh, why would a pharmacist be here? Or what are we going to do with you? Now it's just like, please come and be here. You know, even if it's not necessarily something that'll need a pharmacist, they're like, will you come bedside? We just don't know like what's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, not a problem. We'll come down and be there. Um, so that's really just been awesome just to see that growth. Um, my team has also been really great. They are constantly looking for ways to improve and to further our pharmacist role. Recently, one of my team members was like, hey, we need K-Centra in the ED Pixis. We need to mix a bedside. We can't have it coming from Centra anymore. It needs to be given faster. And I'm like, okay, you know, we'll figure this out. We'll make a new process or like the penicillin allergy review, adding that recently. So they're just constantly wanting to push for more and to do more. Um, and that's also so rewarding to have a team like that who is just willing to step up, do those things, speak up, um, and really make it happen. So it's been awesome to see that for my team. 
That's really awesome to kind of see you guys operating at the height of your license. We talk about it all the time, um, but getting to see it truly play out, especially coming from West Texas, we're still developing pharmacy here and specializing in pharmacy. So it's exciting to see all of the possibilities and the collaboration you guys have formed and the interprofessional team as well. With that, are there any unique challenges presented in your role? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I love my team and coordinating them is amazing, but you can also have, you know, 10 different people with 10 different opinions. Um, we're fortunate that our residency program was still newer here at the time. So most of us did residency outside of JPS and even Dallas-Fort Worth for that matter. Um, so you do get kind of 10 unique perspectives on like how we can do things or ideas from other places, um, which is great, but that can be challenging sometimes to kind of be like, okay, let's get on the same page. Like, where are we going to go with this? What makes most sense for JPS and JPS's goals and kind of keeping bringing it back to, okay, well, what is feasible here, you know, based on the resources we have, that's a huge challenge. Another challenge, as I know, many institutions are experiencing right now, very fast growing sick population to take care of. Funding is not getting any better. So how do we stretch what we have um, to make that work and continue to provide the best care, um, you know, with the resources that we have? And that is a huge challenge that I'll probably never have the best answer for, but definitely something um, we're working towards. Um, challenges specifically as an EM pharmacist, I think it's just sometimes in emergencies, there are just some hard questions and there's not always a right answer, but there's just kind of a best answer at the time, just based on the situation, um, you know, what medications you might have. Um, so that can be kind of the more fun part of being in the ED, but also a challenge as well. Um, it's just kind of thinking on your feet, making it work, what's going to work best in this situation. So it's definitely a challenge day to day as well. Are there any common misconceptions about your role? I think common misconceptions for EM pharmacists and still just clinical pharmacists in general, um, even from inside our own profession and at times can just be like, oh, you just verify orders and do med histories, um, which it's not bad if that's what your pharmacy is doing. That may be what's best for the hospital you're at. Um, so, you know, just not the health system I am at. But I think that's a common thing that people don't always really know what we do. Even sometimes, you know, fellow pharmacists, you know, we'll get a call from like an outside pharmacy because we take those calls and they're like, oh my gosh, that's, you work in the ED? Like, what do you do there? Um, so it's kind of cool to have that um, communication with them sometime and just kind of educate them on like, yeah, this is what we're doing. You know, this is some of the things we can do. Um, same with like, you'll have different nurses and physicians constantly coming in from other places. And they're like, oh, we didn't have pharmacists where I came from. And so, you know, you get to talk to them about what you do and then they kind of see what you do. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. I wish they had this, you know, where I came from. Um, but that's just a pretty common, you know, misconception. And part of that is just because EM pharmacist role is all over the place, just because there's not a one size fits all for every healthcare system across America as they all have different needs and different patient populations. So our role is not as standardized, which I think just makes it a little more ambiguous. Um, sometimes, like I always tell residents, students, people looking for jobs, like make sure to ask what they do on a day-to-day -day basis because you just 
never know what the answer might be. And I kind of love that about it because, you know, you can kind of build your own job in a way and kind of bring to the hospital, you know, what you think needs to be brought there, which is great. That's actually been my goal. We don't have any emergency medicine pharmacists specifically in El Paso. So my goal is to go get my residency training elsewhere and then bring it back to El Paso and create what I want to create from there because it can be so variable and it's not so black and white right now either. So that's also the really exciting thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is a great thing to do is go train somewhere bring it to a new area and you've just expanded, you know, EM pharmacist opportunities because one institution will start it and then it'll grow and then they'll want more hours and then another one locally will want it too. And so like, it's the best way we can really grow ourselves. Have you seen or how have you seen the profession change specifically in emergency medicine since adding the pharmacist to the team? And I guess also going into since you've practiced in so many states, um, bringing that into it as well, how have you seen the differences across states um, and just in general in the last 10 years, the growth of emergency medicine? Yeah, the growth in the last 10 years has really been substantial um, in terms of emergency medicine. You know, 10 years ago, I think a lot of hospitals had a pharmacist of some type within their EDs. But they were mainly, you know, limited hours or they only had one of them or their role might have been limited because they weren't able to expand if you're not there all the time. You know, it's harder to ingrain yourself in certain processes all the time if you're not able to be there 24-7. And not that you can't, it's just more challenging. And I think in the last 10 years, there's definitely been a push towards more coverage hours for the places that have already had pharmacists, which is awesome. Um, There's been a huge expansion in the number of places that now have one, which is part of why PGY2s have taken off as well to kind of help meet that demand. And because we go to a place that doesn't have one and they're like, "Um, we need a PGY2 here (laughs) um, to grow. And PGY2s also do help you expand your practice. You know, they're very helpful um, in terms of expanding what you're doing, which is huge. Huge. But stemming from that, you've seen this huge bustle of pharmacists, you know, they're into, you know, naloxone, um, OPAT, you know, some outpatient stewardship um, initiatives, whether it's culture callback, um, getting to change what antibiotics they're on if cultures come back, um, just different things that they're doing in that realm has really expanded. I think EDs are probably safer and more standardized in what they're doing as well, um, stemming from that. There's much more utilization of technology, which pharmacists do have a lot of hand in as well. I mean, one of my roles is helping build the Alaris profile. So the pump integrates with Epic and they talk to each other and the drugs are pre-set up and things that when I was a student, I never thought I was going to be involved in. But, you know, here I am figuring these things out. So like there's so many more roles um, than you realize you're going to be a part of. But all of that has just led to this rapid expansion. And now back to technicians, I think a lot of places are now trying to incorporate technicians into the practice as well. And how can we, you know, they're almost like pharmacist extenders and how can we use them to make our impact as pharmacy better and, you know, use our pharmacists in the best way by using our technicians in the best way. And so I just think it's been awesome, all this growth. And I don't even know what it's going to look like in 10 more years. I can't even imagine what that's going to be. 
When you were developing the ASHP guidelines on EM Pharmacy Services, were there any consistent themes that you saw across institutions or things that were just very different across institutions? Um, we definitely saw both of those side of things, which is why um, when we wrote those guidelines, we really, um, we tried not to make it prescriptive. Um, we tried to make it of your institution has its own needs, figure out what those are and embed pharmacists into that. Um, obviously, the biggest thing we saw that was common, um, code response. Um, definitely something most pharmacists across the nation in the ER, ER are absolutely doing. Dosing consultations, you know, vancomycin, aminoglycosides, if anyone uses those anymore, um, you know, your neurotherapeutic drugs. That's definitely like kind of your bread and butter clinical pharmacist things like those activities were definitely still happening um, down in the emergency department. But beyond that, it's all over the place. Like, are they doing medication histories? Are they doing order verification? Or are the Pixis all on override, like candy machines? Um, what's available in the ED is all over the place. What are the hours of coverage? Is there a pharmacist physically down there? Or are they covering from afar? It was just all over the place. And it's hard to really put, you know, a definite on what your ED needs, you know, because what a community ER, you know, 30 miles from here needs is probably very different than what we as JPS need, you know, in the middle of downtown Fort Worth um, being a huge center. Um, so it was just vastly of us trying to keep it hopeful to people about what they could and should be doing while also just being cognizant of the fact that there's not like a one size fits all for every ED across the country. And I think that's what made it so challenging was trying to be like, hey, here are the things we recommend that you do as much as possible, incorporate yourself into. And here's a ton of other things that you can get into that we probably should get into, you know, if you're able to make that happen with the staff that you have, with the support that you have. I think that's a super unique thing of emergency medicine. Although it is a challenge trying to encompass everybody under one umbrella, it's really interesting that you can go meet somebody from across the state and you're both emergency medicine pharmacists and do completely different things or have some commonalities, but a lot of differences. So it's really interesting how fluid it is. And I think it kind of speaks to the personalities of emergency medicine pharmacists being able to shift to wherever they need to go. Definitely. And it's so funny whenever we like get together as a group of emergency medicine pharmacists, everyone's like, what do you do at your place? What are you doing over here? You know, it's not just like, oh, we go to rounds and here we're just like, oh, people do new unique things. And I'm like, oh, we need to do that. Um, and so it's just, it's a lot of fun um, when you get a group of us together, because obviously that's all we talk about. <laughs> at least there's never any dull moments because you constantly have ideas sharing back and forth. Um, but with that, I think we have time for one more question. So what advice do you have and qualities do you recommend for somebody that's interested in pursuing a career in emergency medicine pharmacy? Yeah, my greatest advice, um, if you're interested in the emergency department, is just find a way to get down there. Um, whether it's when you're a learner and you're able to get student rotations, if you're like my school, we had to like fight for them, I feel like. Um, 
uh, or if you're a resident, you know, and you can get electives in there or electives in like a PEDS ED or community ED or different experiences, like absolutely go get those. If you're a current pharmacist and you have an ED um, interest, you know, get into those orders, get in with those pharmacists and figure out, you know, what you can do to get exposure into that area and get time down there. All the training is great, but there's a rare day that I still don't learn something new um, that just hasn't really come up before. And so you can get as familiar as you can with like, you know, your code response, your bread and butter ED stuff, like rapid sequence intubation, you know, and all that. Um, but the more time down there, really the more exposure, um, the better you are going to feel about it and really increase your chances um, of getting to be down there. Other qualities, um, we have to work quick on our feet. <laughs> it just is what it is, unfortunately. Most of our docs want an answer in like five seconds um, for what they should do. Willing to do all types of jobs. Um, it's kind of one of the things I love about my job. I don't do just one thing and the same thing all day. I'm constantly pulled in different directions with different types of patients. Um, so that definitely keeps me quite varied. And then just establishing really strong relationships um, with the nurses and physicians down there. The great thing about the ED is once they find you valuable, they really rely on that. And it is so much like a family culture in every emergency department I've ever been in. Like you see them all the time, you know, they become your friends and they become ingrained with you and respect you and utilize you. So really just get down there and get to know people and give it your all. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And I want to thank you again, Dr. Libby Geisler, for joining us today and sharing your story. Join us here at the ASHP official and practice journeys career pearls for student podcast series as we continue to explore different careers and practice settings in pharmacy. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.